there. Get ready. You are now listening to Talk of the Town with Jill and Carmen, the one and only podcast for the Mount Mansfield community. It doesn't matter if you just moved into the area or you are a fifth-generation Vermonter. This podcast is sure to delight you and inform you. Go ahead, sit back, and relax. Here are your hosts, Jill and Carmen. Well, hello and welcome to Talk of the Town with Jills and Carmen. Here we are, Carmen. Yes, we are. Fall is coming. Yeah. Um, last week, we just had summer in Vermont, right? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I loved we, it. <laughs> it was a week of nice weather. Mm-hmm. So I hope you guys enjoyed your summer. Yep. Yeah. Your last swimming. That's all you're getting. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next year, if you're good, we'll get a good summer. But <laughs> wait a minute now, only Santa can say that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's been one wild year so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's been wild? Why don't uh, you list a few things here? Remind me. Why is it wild? <laughs> I mean, we have had just such crazy weather. Yeah. The weather. Uh, the spring held on. We had a freeze there in, in the end of May. Then we had the wildfires. We've had uh, flooding. It's, it's, I think I read somewhere from July 9th to today, <laughs> there was nine days without rain. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't read that. I just told you so. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you're listening i'm sorry well that would be double whammy i just heard it once (laughs) yeah oh wow yeah yeah i know it's been it's been pretty crazy it has and And as as much as we want summer time marches on well you know you know how the back in the days where we always couldn't wait for friday you know, couldn't wait for the weekend. That's how we lived our lives. And then as yeah. you get older, you get wiser. And you're like, every day becomes like another day. I don't know about you, but now it's like, I don't, I don't do that. I learned to, hey, today is today. Enjoy today. Well, I get that, but I still enjoy Well, I Fridays. do too. You know, I get the t-shirts that say weekends are whatever, you know, yeah. and you... <laughs> I just had but. some flashbacks. Who was it? Is it Lover Boy? Everybody working for the weekend? Weekend, yes. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, there's, it, that's never going to go away. But my point really is that every day is a gift. And you can, you could really drag yourself down if you're, I mean, it was hard. I have to admit, it was just hard this year waiting for that sun to come and just waiting to get to the beach. And I just found myself getting all worked up as I still need that sun and whatever. But when you just relax and really engage for the day, (laughs) it's not as bad. No, you're right. And it makes me think of, uh, of a book I remember reading years ago by an Aldous Huxley. I don't know if you remember Aldous Huxley. No, he wrote real brave new world. But he also wrote another book called The Island. And uh, I'm not going to get into all of the stuff on it. But there was a bird on the island. And the as the bird would fly around, it would, it would quote, here and now, here and now. Hmm. Uh, you know, and it just meaning be in the present. You're, you're, enjoy, be grateful for now and today. So yeah. that's when you were talking about that, that's what I could think of was was that bird here and now. So being Mm -hmm. present in the moment. Well, you know, it's funny because I remember having a conversation with my sister-in-law about how, you know, we see a lot of gray days up here where we are. And and she's an artist. Mm -hmm. So we just got talking about the mix of colors in the grays. And I started to look at the days a little differently. And now I'm seeing myself look at all the the formations of the, the clouds and the different colors and what comes in and out and how it fades. And it's actually its own it's actually its own backdrop. Like it, it's 
it can be very beautiful. So it's really all in your perspective. It is. Yeah, it sure so, is. So I'm I'm grateful to be here and now with you and with our listeners. Mm-hmm. I'm excited um, because for whatever reason, we still get to do this. That's right. Yeah. And we got... Um, Sun or not. Sun or it's not. It's cloudy out right now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we've talked before in, in the past about analytics and... One of our shows reached 500 listens. Yeah. So that's exciting. To that me. is exciting. There's 500 bored people out in this world right now. So. <laughs> that's it? <laughs> that, there might be more, but the, the bored ones really haven't discovered us yet. Mm, but They will. Yeah. So thank you guys for, for listening. Absolutely. And uh, we've got an exciting, fun conversation we had um, as we're talking about fall and time marching on uh, next week or whenever you're listening to this in a few days uh, we're going to have harvest at the old-fashioned harvest market yeah yeah it's (laughs) old-fashioned and i love that yeah i love that he pointed that out so we interviewed um dave cliff who is the organizer of the harvest market and um he made it clear that they, they, it really is called the old-fashioned harvest market. And there's a reason for that, because they bring back all the old-fashioned, back-in-the-day activities of what kids did and people. Yeah, and, and the values and stuff. Yeah. We don't want to take his thunder, so we'll, no, let, we'll, we'll let the <laughs> listeners listen to that. But that would be happening September 23rd and 24th. So, you know, in talking about the kind of year we had, um, you know, we were talking about apple picking and we're like, oh, even Chapman's, that's what it's called, right? Chapman's, Chapin. Ch- Chapin's, um, they couldn't have their apple picking because like you mentioned, the hard frost. And so we've just had a tough year, but there are still a lot of people, a lot of businesses, farmers, um, you know, please patronize them, go to the farmer's markets. Let's support whoever we can that survive the weather that's right because as you're saying it's been a hard year for everyone and if we can shop locally and i know that there is some farms in this community and even some of of bipoc farms um so that you can support and i just think it's important to support our our local neighbors and friends uh, in in buying produce and buying art and all of those and things. And when you hear about this interview and, and this discussion, you know, it's just another reminder of why. Yeah. Yeah. So. He, he said some some fantastic things. And, and we'll talk about it on the other end. Yes. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, should should we let them listen? To oh, let's. Or? Yeah. Let's let's you let's cut just... us right off. Yeah. And then uh, put him on. <laughs> OK, so that's what we're going to do here is Dave Clift with. Uh, the old-fashioned, old-fashioned <laughs> harvest market. Well, thank you, Dave, for joining us today. We really appreciate you. You bet. Yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah, good. So um, we're here to talk about the the harvest market, the clutter barn, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that ministry yes. that you have um, long-standing in this community. Yes. Great. And um, so, why don't you? Why don't we start off by uh, answering some funny questions? Let's see. The first one: What is your most regrettable fashion choice? Well, this uh, unfortunately or fortunately <laughs> happened when I was relatively young. So, in in uh, older elementary age, before getting into middle school. I um, dressed up in a paisley bell-bottom pants with a black turtleneck and a silver necklace medallion and uh, wore that for one day and got enough ribbing <laughs> from everyone about that. It was the lesson that learned that uh, conformity has its advantages, so never... Never tried doing that again and kind of went back to the old jeans and t-shirt and, you know, and things that where you could just be unseen 
mm-hmm. and people wouldn't uh, take notice of you because of what you were wearing. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yes, that was uh, a fortunate and unfortunate experience. I got to say, when we were coming up with these questions, um, I was looking forward to hearing about a Paisley Bell Bottom story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, that yeah. sounds like a, a winner for sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ugly green colors and the paisleys all over the place and the bell bottoms yeah. flapping in the wind. Yep. Yeah. It's funny how all the choices that we have when we interview people always are from childhood. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. And, and yeah, we just had a conversation with someone and we can say it because she tells it out publicly. She, she told it on our podcast. On our podcast, you know, how she was affected by. Wait a minute. What was it again? When she was in sixth grade, she picked out shoes. or It was shoes, she called them. Mm-hmm. To me, it's just a generic term for whatever you put on your feet. But this was a specific type, and now she won't wear shoes. Because Whoa. they were made fun of. Yep, sixth Whoa. grade. So, were you traumatized by this? <laughs> or did it just drive you to... Make the change. <laughs> I think probably both in, in some yeah. fashion or another. Well, yes. because we're young, right? right? It's fashionable time of our lives. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I have no idea where the idea came up from or where even the clothes came from. But uh, it happened. Yeah. I'm sure you thought they were going to look really cool when you were picking them out. Uh, you know, I probably was. Yeah. Probably was. Like your yeah. like your you MC know, Hammer outfit. You know, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, this was, you know, a small town, Maine, you know, yeah. a little bit out of character for yeah. that kind of. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I applaud you for your, your choice in <laughs> right. fashion. Yeah. yeah. Having the guts. <laughs> That's right. So here's a, another fun question. If you could be in any movie, what would you be in? So I think what resonated with me would be uh, Avatar. Mm. Yeah, so Avatar being a, a, a place of utopia and the struggles that it uh, had around trying to ensure that it maintained that. And I think there's, you know, I think that there's a uh, big reflection about you know, how we live today and how we've already gone beyond that uh, utopian uh, approach and saddened by that. But could we ever get ourselves back there? So I think being in that kind of a movie would um, be really inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's interesting. Haven't is. heard that one. Nope. And Avatar is a fairly new movie. I mean, it's not like out for years and years now, right? How long has it been? It's been... 20 years or more? Not more. No. Yeah, so it's more decade, modern. So, yeah, it's more modern. I would sure. expect something from way back mm, from, yeah, from no. us older people. <laughs> cool. This time. Yeah. All right. So what is the funniest, craziest thing you've ever done? So as I was talking to you, I um, taught skiing um, in uh, Winter Park, Colorado in the um, in the dis- adaptive ski program and um, worked with all kinds of uh, people with different disabilities and so forth. But um, this one time I was working with a gentleman who was blind from birth. So has no concept of, of visual acuity as someone who may have lost their vision in, uh, in their older age or due to diabetes or something along those lines. So, and no real concept of, of um, snow and mountains and so forth because he grew up in Texas, but came to us to ski. And um, he went out with other instructors before us and um, he fell, which you do skiing, and would just curse. I mean, he would just curse to the bitter end. He could not stop cursing, and it was very offensive to many of the uh, other instructors. So I got tagged to take him out, and um, so took him out, and sure enough, we went out. He fell down, and he cursed, and he cursed, and um, you know, I've heard it before not a problem, but was curious to understand what was behind all that uh, cursing and up, being upset and so forth. So so we stopped to ask him and, and he said, well, you know, 
In Texas, where I'm from, when I fall down, I get dirty and I get muddy. And so when I'm falling here, I'm getting dirty and I'm getting muddy and I don't like it. So I curse when I fall down. He didn't understand that when he as a skier, you're falling onto snow, which doesn't get you dirty or muddy. So what we did is we went off to the side of the trail. I had him fall down into some of the powder and had him eat the snow so that he could understand that snow is not dirt. It's not a problem. You're not going to have any issues getting yourself all dirty, getting your ski clothes all dirty. And, and uh, he stopped cursing after when he fell each time. And I think that it was, for me, it was a perspective that we have to think of. You know, you, you, you have perspectives with, in our case, we have a visual acuity, which he didn't have. And unless somebody tells you what your environment is and what that environment is about, you only assume that it's the same that you always know. Mm. And until he understood that new perspective that he um, that he got from being in a winter sport and being in the snow, he learned to relax and did better. So uh, that's an amazing story. It is. Um, mine's blown right now because I I never <laughs> never expected that answer yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, wow. Kudos to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, uh, you know, it was a great experience just being there and um, working with people with disabilities. And, you know, it allowed me to see from different points of view that you would never, never comprehend in normal life. And um, a lot of growth there for me during that time period. I'm going to have to take you golfing. Because I have the same problem when I golf. <laughs> he needs help. <laughs> yeah, I usually end up muttering and cursing at the ball for a long time. So, I mean, you can break me that. Yeah. Well, being a, a, a very part-time golfer and not probably since we had kids, which was 30 years ago, you know, I never broke 100. So I'm not a really good... <laughs> Well, you're going to person to get advice in my mouth. Yeah. Say, hey, this is what happens. This is That's crazy. Great. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, all right, now we've had the, the fun questions. Go ahead and tell us about your work with the Harvest Market. Sure. I, I think that uh, one of the important things is that um, in the name, and we we use Harvest Market all the time as we're um, working with others and talking with others. But, in fact, the name of the is the old-fashioned Harvest Market. And I think it's important that we um, – realize that because it's part of our mission to keeping it as an old-fashioned venue. So that means doing a lot of things that, um, for example, in children's games where we play stilts and hula hoops and, and do uh, fun activities like uh, three-legged races and sack races and so forth. The old-fashioned old way, right? old-fashioned way, exactly. And we continue that tradition year after year. And the other piece is that we want families to come out and uh, have fun in celebrating the end of summer and celebrating with their friends and family and at the same time not break their bank. So the venues that we have, the French fries and the uh, cider tent and the refreshment tent and lemonade, we, we on purpose say we need to keep these prices affordable. It's not like going over to the fair in Essex where you can get a lemonade for eight or nine dollars. I haven't been there so I don't know exactly what the prices were, you know, hamburgers for 10 and so forth. You know, we try to keep our prices as low as possible so that families with a lot of kids and so forth can come out, have a great day uh, visiting with us, enjoying the, the weather and enjoying the community um, so that they can, uh, you know, have a, you know, a great time and not worrying about, you know, really breaking the bank. Mm -hmm. So the old fashioned piece of it gets dropped from the name and everybody calls it the harvest market. But I think that the old fashioned uh, 
uh, name or part of it is important for people to remember and so forth. So, so I don't remember in, in the advertising if you actually say that. Yeah. So Do you make a point? So, yeah. So our logo says, you know, old-fashioned harvest market. Okay. And it, it always has. And all the advertising that goes out uses that logo when mm -hmm. we do that. Um, but it's like I said, you know, we, we, when we speak to people like yourselves, we say harvest market and, and uh, you know, everybody else does as well. But um, I just wanted to point out that, that an important part of it is the old fashioned piece. And, and if you see us just asking you to spend your cash rather than using your credit card or your Venmo account and so forth, that's a, right along the same lines is that, you know, we're trying to keep it old fashioned by doing that, we can keep the cost down and and continue to um, be as affordable as possible. Mm -hmm. That's good. How did you get involved with, with the Old Fashioned Harvest Market? So the Old Fashioned Harvest Market is a mission of the United Church of Underhill. Mm -hmm. And we started uh, going to church there in 1998 when we moved to this community. And um, once you get to be... Uh, involved with the church, it's natural that you get involved with the, with the harvest market. Um, you know, we have about 160 church members. Half of those members are, are um, very active, and those members are the people that, um, that help facilitate the harvest market and all the different venues and everything that, that goes on there. So I started um, uh, early on uh, one of the gals that had been working the apple pie venue um, was leaving. And so I decided that I would take over making apple pies. A person who's never made an apple pie in his life <laughs> has now made over 1,100 apple pies wow. in, over the years and so forth. And, um, uh, you know, so it, it's uh, something that, you know, just needed some leadership and, and uh, we pull people together, we do the pie crusts first, and then we get the apples and we peel the apples, we make the spices up, we make the, the toppings up, and uh, you know roll out the dough and so forth, do that all in advance, and then take that all over to Browns River Middle School, put it all together, throw it into the oven, and a couple hours later we have at least 100 apple pies ready to go for the next day. And that was, that was my main job for, for many, many years. And then uh, 2016, I took on uh, being, uh, from working in the steering committee, took on being the, uh, the chairperson and have been the chairperson since then. So. so why don't you talk a little bit about the history, like how it really got started, sure. why it became a mission. Um, sure. So the harvest market started in um, 1975 and um, it was really started to be a community building event. Um, it was kind of an outreach to the community from the church just to um, bring people together to meet neighbors, celebrate our blessings. Um, and we were able to bring people together to help us support the volunteer booths that we have. So all of our staff is volunteer. And um, many of those people are church members and so forth, but many aren't. Many people um, used to come to the church and got involved in Harvest Market and then and come back today and just, and just um, help with the venue piece and volunteer. We have people that come from all over New England, few here, few there, and so forth, that come in to help as well. So, um, so it has really, really grown. And I've met people at Harvest Market, you know, from southern New England, southern United States. People come in from Canada to um, visit the market, and um, so it's it's really a fun and interesting thing. And and I think that that. Um, that it's achieved its goal in building community. Because over the years, 
the harvest market, you know, is which we call our anchor site, which is behind the church and um, across the Park Street Spur on that little island park there. And um, that's pretty much what we do as a church. But then if you look up and down Park Street and up and down Route 15, you have families and other people that come out, put up their booths, sell items, sell things, sell food and so forth. And we encourage that. And it has grown you know, further down Route 15 and further down Park Street over the years. And um, a lot of people uh, you know, look forward to uh, Harvest Market you know, at, the, at the end of September and, um, and get involved. And we're pleased to have them involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, years ago before I was a resident of Jericho. I've been in Burlington. I'm from the Northeast Kingdom, and I was driving home, and uh, coming up through there's there's all the people out and everything. And my wife says, well, "What's going on here?" I, I guess they were expecting us. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know, but uh, you know, we're like, "What what is going on here?" And so we we pulled over and we started walking up and down and just amazed at what was happening and it still is one of those things that as we walk up and down the street and, and how the get, community just yeah see is friends involved. And, and whatnot it's it's just a it's a good time and it's something that we look forward to mm -hmm. yeah yeah yep. My mother-in-law likes to come down on that weekend oh nice well you know the fall foliage sure. and and, uh, sure. and she loves to do you know flea markets and Yep. garage sales and but it's just the idea of you know it's a little bit of everything yeah and the way it's set up with the roads and you can just walk on them and mm -hmm. you can talk to anybody you see right there right you know right. and um yeah it becomes a really fun community event yeah it is and it didn't start as big as as we see it today, obviously, when it started uh, almost 50 years ago, there was a um, miniature clutter barn, which was just in the Parsonage barn that's next door to the Parsonage uh, that's on Park Street, very small. They sold some hamburgers, had a kind of a, um, a country store setting where people would bring jams and jellies and, and sell those kinds of things, and, um, and then they would do games and so forth. So, it was very, very uh, small when it started. And um, through the years, you know, I talked about the apple pies. Well, the apple pies were started in, in 1996. Um, I think the country store, you know, has been there, uh, you know, all along, but had started, you know, just with a small table, you know, in the first few years and so forth. And uh, the apple cider tent came in and, in, um, in the early days, so that was one of the things that started in uh, uh, in the 1970s. And um, Cookie Factory uh, was one of those early um, venues in 1978 was introduced to the Harvest Market. And then uh, the Soup Bowl, which we now only do on Saturdays, um, originated in 1984. So you can see that there was kind of progression of uh, more things were added in as the market got bigger and more and more people were attending and so forth. Yep, someone so, had an idea. That's yeah. right. Yeah, we need yeah. to add this. Yeah. Sure. So, so you mentioned the Clutter Barn. Can you tell us a little bit about the Clutter Barn, its purpose, and how, how the old-fashioned harvest market and the Clutter Barn work together? Sure. So the Clutter Barn, like I said, originated as one of the venues at the old-fashioned harvest market. So it's always been that. Um, the Clutter Barn was, um, was brought to life from the uh, thought that we should be taking people's things that, that are usable again, rather than putting them in the landfill. Let's see if that we can pull them in and get them out to other people to use. So we set up a, uh, an opportunity to free people to drop off their used, gently used items. And uh, what we do is we price those items at rock bottom prices. Um, you know, they're, they're not there 
so that we can make lots and lots of money. We're there so that they'll get back out into the community so that the people will be willing to purchase them, use them, and, and, and keep them out of the landfill. There is, you know, stories that we see time and time again. We see the same item, item that was sold last year, comes back in this year and is sold again. And then it comes back a few years later and it's sold again. And it just keeps recycling through the community, which is, which is kind of fun, fun thing to realize that it can, it can do that. And, um, you know, people, uh, you know, clean out their basements, clean out their attics. They don't want stuff to go to the landfill. So they bring it over to us, and um, and we just put a little price on it, put it on some shelves, and then we invite people to come to come in. Now, uh, probably about uh, five or six years ago, and um, we decided that we were getting so many items throughout the summer that the clutter barn was just bursting its sides, and uh, we just didn't have enough space to keep. So what we've been doing since about six years ago is having um, sales once every 30 or 40 days. So we'd accumulate things for that period, have a sale, accumulate more things in the next month or so, have another sale, and then finish off um, at, uh, at Harvest Market. If the things that don't sell, then we uh, take and donate it um, locally where we can if there are items that are worth doing that. Um, some of those items do get, get thrown away that people just don't want to uh, repurpose. And, uh, and we empty out the clutter barn, which is the building you know, next to the church, and uh, start fresh the next year. So um, if I understand it right, you give money, you give things to maybe people who have a need. Yes. So talk yes. a little bit about how, and that was, that's probably what you're talking about about five or six years ago when you started to do that. Yes. Is that what you're referring to? And, and how did that so just come about? Five or six years ago, um, we started the multiple sales throughout the summer, not just having one sale at Harvest Market is really the change. Um, the mission that, you know, the, the church provides to the community is, is to help people where we can. And uh, when we're collecting items, you know, we collect a lot of household items, a lot of electrical items, a lot of items that um, are everyday things that people need. And we've had often had times where people have been burned out of their houses and have lost everything. And what we do is we open the doors to the clutter barn to those families and say, come in, look and take what you need to make sure that you have the things that you need for your everyday life. And we just donate them because they were donated to us and we're just turning around, presenting and re-donating back out to those people of the community. And um, we don't get a lot of those situations, uh, maybe once a year on average, but, um, but when we do, I think it's an important thing for us to do. And um, because you know, the community is so supportive of us, it only makes sense that we can turn around and be supportive of the community as well. Yeah. So maybe I'm getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but if we know of a family that's in need, mm -hmm. we can call the clutter barn and say they're in need. They didn't burn out of their house, but mm -hmm. something happened. Yep. We can come to you and you would open your doors. We would. So Maybe. that's that's available to the community. Right, right. Okay. Now you have to wow. keep in mind that this is a summertime activity. So sure. during the winter months, the clutter barn is closed and there's mm -hmm. no nothing there. Um, but during the summer months, yes, most definitely. If there are people in need, um, get them to us and and uh, have them come by and, and see what they can use. Mm-hmm. A fantastic resource. It really is. Yeah. And I don't think people really understand that. I didn't. I, I didn't either. I just thought of the question. What about, mm -hmm. you know, area churches or area, you know, um, schools even? Mm -hmm. They know a right. lot. They right. see things. Absolutely. Do they know that they can go there? So that's really a cool, that's really right. cool. Right. And we work with local organizations um, like COTS mm -hmm. who, um, 
who have families, they've already identified families in need, and they often come to us as well and say, hey, look, you know, we have families that need these kinds of things. You guys have that available, or, or um, you know, is it something that uh, you can make available to these families? And, and we do, and, and we get, you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, POTS will have their backpack drive for the kids at school, and, um, you know, we'll, so throughout the summer, we'll accumulate backpacks from people donating. Mm -hmm. We'll set those aside, and then when COTS needs them at the end of the summer, we'll just send them over. So we know, oftentimes, just from history and knowing what the needs are in the community, um, we can, uh, you know, kind of visually say, oh, these are the kinds of things that they need. Let's set them aside and we'll give them a call and they come pick them up and make sure that they get distributed. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we do, um, the Harvest Market is a fundraiser for the church and it supports um, our church so that we can have a full-time pastor, we can upkeep the buildings, we have the parsonage, you have the church and the clutter barn, those all take money to keep, you know, upkeep and so forth. But we also take that money and, uh, you know, send it to disaster relief people and to um, some of the um, the service providers in, you know, in the Burlington area. And um, so that money is taken in by us and then redistributed it out throughout the community mm -hmm. um, in support of other missions besides the missions that we have within us. That's good. So what are some of the challenges that you faced in putting on a harvest market? The size, then the growth that it has. So it's it's a challenge. Um, you know, we, we don't manage what goes on Route 15 and what goes on on Park Street. But to officials like the police department, the fire department, and the city officials, the town officials, you know, they see that as part of an off route to, to what we are and what we do. We're kind of the anchor, anchor activity for the weekend, but, you know, we don't go around to those people and tell them they can do this, they can do that, you know, so forth and so on. But we are in charge of um, security. We are in charge of traffic management um, ar just around that area on Park Street and, and Route 15. Um, we know that we caused some slowdowns on Route 15, you know, um, and we apologize to people and hope that they understand. Um, but we work closely with the towns. The towns understand that um, that this celebration is an important celebration for the community. And even though they aren't the facilitators of it, they, they support it. And both towns, uh, select boards, have um, anteed up some dollars to help with security through the police force and so we have police presence because you know when you when you host several thousand people you want to ensure their safety as much as possible and we're very um we're very conscientious of that um we put up no parking signs up and down route 15 which means that we have to work with vtrans on that um, because of the size of the project we have to get a, a police permit through the Vermont State Police. Um, and so that's a, you know, a 30 page document that we put together for them every year, um, which is a requirement for having, having a large, uh, event. large event that we have. So, so as we grow, there just becomes inherently more and more responsibilities. You know, where do you find parking? You know, where do you tell people to go park because there's more people coming in? And they need a place to park, so we have to, you know, we manage that part as well. So it it's grown way beyond just what the, you know, what we do in the, in, within the borders of, of our property at the United Church of Underhill, but um, but we're okay with that mm -hmm. because we really believe in in the mission of the of the harvest market, and we really want to be part of the community, and we want to be uh, make sure that 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 uh, part of it is the outreach that we provide through the activities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a huge undertaking. Yes, it is. And uh, 
that you, you were talking about how it causes slowdown. And it's so as a guy who, who's, you know, got slowed down because of it so many years ago, I just want to say thank you for that because I don't know if I would have known about this place or this event. Um, so it's really awesome. And, and you guys in the last, I've been here since 2019 and been to it every year. And it's just an amazing event. And it's really well run, really well put together. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a, an awesome thing for the community, and I just love to see the community members out there. Yeah, I, I think I'm, what I'd like to do also is is call out to the volunteers. Yeah, because okay. because you know without the volunteers that we have, um, we wouldn't be able to do what we do, mm-hmm. and the community wouldn't be able to see the things and get involved in the things and the activities that that uh, we're able to offer without these volunteers. You know, for example, the Chamberlains who own the farm down the street, they bring their tractor over, they bring their hay wagon over, and they run around that field doing hay rides. And you wouldn't believe it, but every one of those trips that they do, that wagon is almost full Mm -hmm. to the brim every time. And so they're every 20 minutes, they're going around that field. It's the most popular thing and uh, they do that out of the kindness of their hearts you know and um, that's what makes this community so special is that people like them get involved and uh, other people in the community sign up um, to volunteer and they work at the fry stand or they work at the soup stand or they work helping out at lemonade or over in uh, in the uh, cider tent and you know they love it you know, how many times do you get an opportunity to press cider in your life and to taste that that apple cider that comes fresh from a press? I can't think it's, of one time I've gotten that option. Right. Well, uh, we we have. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, we know we have family that has an, uh, one of those presses, uh-huh. yep. and we would have a party and come together, yep. and we would all press. Yep. And, um, and it's really, it's, I don't know. There's just something about, you know, each season has their thing of coming together. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And fall is very unique with yep. the apples and yep. the pumpkins and the various things that you can do the before winter hits. And yet it's nice weather and, and uh, it's definitely old fashioned. Mm-hmm. It brings out some old That's fashioned right. things. That's right. That's right. I think probably more than any other season. And yep. maybe I'm wrong there, but. I don't think so. Because it's harvest. So. There's right. so much is around right. the harvest when it comes to right. farming. Yeah. And um, so it's really, um, it's really neat, yep. I think, to and have the harvest that. harvest time of year is a celebratory time of year because that's the time of year that people got together in the fields, brought in the crops, and then they celebrated their bounty. Exactly. And that's what we're trying to do is celebrate the town's bounty of just being part of the community, both Underhill and Jericho. So I was going to ask you what what you think or what you find to be your most valuable um, resource, but it sounds to me like you've already answered it. The volunteers. The volunteers. volunteers, So we've calculated that it takes about 11,000 hours of volunteer work to pull off this whole event. Wow. And that includes, you know, the volunteers throughout the summer at the Clutter Barn. That includes the steering committee who are all volunteers who start work in May to get things organized and to make sure everything is in order. And then to, you know, to the volunteers who come and put up signs, you know, they, you know, week before, the day before. No small and, task, right? There's no small it's task. It's all important. All important, yep. And we contact landowners and get permission to use their lands and make sure that, you know, um, everybody understands that, uh, you know, that harvest market is happening. We even go around to our neighbors and just reach out to them and say thank you because we know harvest market can be an inconvenience for you for that weekend. But they're all very um, conscientious of it, and they're all very willing to put up with with the inconvenience for a weekend just to support the event. Well, and it's not just the event. I think people are always looking for something to give to. 
And when they know what the mission is about, right. if they understand that money's raised will be also put back into the community, mm-hmm. it's a cause and people like to give to a cause. Exactly. So they understand that during the summer, this is what happens and it exactly. accumulates at that end of the, you know, with the harvest market, yep. that they're more willing, right? To, and have patience and yep. all of that. Yep. Um, and then even participate with a, garage sale or whatever, yard sale, whatever they call it. But, you know, you ask, what's my challenge? And what we found recently is that um, people's behavior around committing to volunteerism has has changed over the years. Years ago, people would set aside time a month in advance to, to get involved with something. And we would have people signed up and ready to go, you know, way in advance. And in the past few years, we found that we're lacking volunteers like three or four days before the event. But by the time the event comes, we're fully staffed. It all comes together. And it all comes together. And what we're finding is that because of, um, because of the internet and because of communication and the, what that allows the communication from people, people wait to the last minute to make decisions on what they want to do or where they want to be and so and because they always figure, well, there might be something a little bit better for me to do this day, and I'm going to hold off and make any commitments till then. And so that kind of gives my heart palpations <laughs> when I see that I need, I need, you know, 20 more volunteers. It's the Wednesday before, and um, and I have no idea where these people are going to come from. And uh, so we keep putting out the word, you know, come help us, come help us, um, and. Uh, you know, we have uh, sign up online so that uh, so people can go out and see what the venues are that need help, the time slots that are open, and they can just sign their name and put their name in there, and um, and then we'll expect them. So where can somebody get that sign up if somebody wants to volunteer? So if you go to um, UnderhillHarvestMarket.com, um, the... Uh, that website, right on the title page, has a button for sign up for volunteers. And they can go to that. It's a sign up genius is, is the platform that we use. And uh, each venue has its own sign up. And so you just figure out what, you know, do you want to make lemonade? Do you want to do cider? Do you want to sell uh, French fries? Would you like to help out at the soup tent? You know, all the, all, you know, some of the things that we need, the refreshment stand, they're cooking burgers and hot dogs and selling things and the lines coming out, you know, wait for people waiting for them. So they're so good. But, you know, um, all those are there and people can open those up and, um, and sign up. Yeah. So I'm going to have that sign up in the, in the show notes. Okay. So if people are listening and they want to know how they can do it, it's Great. in the show notes. And as somebody who relies on volunteers, I understand the stress. And I'm going to yes. say, people, if you're listening, you want sign up. Don't wait. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because an event that. like this doesn't just happen. That's right. Right. It takes people. So That's volunteer. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. And if you like kids and you like to do children's games, there's a big area that we that we need help at, and um, love to see it come out. Mm-hmm. Love to see it. So you uh, shared something with us here before we started recording about next year. That's right. So it leads into our next question. Um, What is next for the Harvest Market? Yes. So this is our 49th year this year. So next year we'll be celebrating our 50th um, anniversary for the Harvest Market. And uh, we've already started making some plans. We're trying to decide we really want to make a big event, uh, do something extra, or are we just going to incorporate it into the two days of that weekend? So we're working on that. Um, this harvest market on the 23rd and 24th this year, um, we'll be um, sending folks out to talk about uh, the 50th anniversary and try to get some ideas from from the community, what Good they idea. would like to see. And at the same time, we're going to be asking people to pony up some dollars to help support that so that we could invest 
some money into some really special things that we could do. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll be going out and around the community on the 23rd and 24th of this year during Harvest Market, just getting ideas, getting feedback from people, what would they like to see, and then we have a year, pull it together, mm -hmm. and we're looking forward to it. 50 years is a big milestone. It is. And do you even would like, I mean, volunteers to help put that together, like to help yes. plan it? Because, yes. I, it, you know, right, it's the church planning it, mm -hmm. and you have just so many people, which right. doesn't mean it won't work. Right. But, you know, for our view, our listeners, yes. if it's something that if they have a skill or a gift, they can Perfect. email you guys and say, hey, look, I have this. Can I be part of the planning for the year? Yes. Is that something that you would yes. be open to? Yes, that would be that would be excellent. And I, what I can do is I can give you that detail. Put it in the show notes. Put it in the show notes would be perfect. Yeah. Awesome. I do have a last question. Um, so what would you say to the community? Um, you know, I don't, advice is not really the word, but would you have some encouragement for the community, um, words of wisdom for the community um, as far as, I don't know, just the involvement or, you know, could the, what, what this could mean for them, whether it's the harvest market or an extension to the community. You know what I mean? Like right. it's bigger. It's way bigger. So is there any last words, encouragement, wisdom that you could give to people listening um, to extend it beyond the harvest market? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. so, so I would say, you know, the, the quality of any community are the people and the people within that community. And the people within that community need to understand that things just don't get done by magic. It gets done through involvement and it gets done by participating. And the more people that share ideas, the more people that get involved, the more people that um, encourage them, their families, their friends, their neighbors to come out and just be involved. And um, that's what makes a community. A community is, is not just living in your house and driving to your work in Burlington or wherever that may be and driving home and staying in your house and maybe going to the grocery store. You know, being part of the community is getting out, reaching out to your neighbors, reaching out to your friends and getting involved with each other. And what we feel that, you know, the, one of the first missions of, of Harvest Market was to just bring community together. And that's what's important, is bringing the community together. That's good. That was deep right there. I mean, it is. I mean, what's your gift, right? What's your gift? Mm -hmm. And can you donate that gift to the Harvest Market, the Clutter Barn, or to another organization in the area, to a school? Yeah. There you are know? a lot of great, the town sponsors a lot of great committees which are working to make our communities better. Mm -hmm. And I know that they have, they struggle getting people involved. And um, yes, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of time and it can be a lot of energy. And so we have to be careful how we spend our energy and, and pick and choose how that is. But I think if, some, if everybody chooses, chooses one thing that they can show their support for and get involved in, that will make a huge difference. Absolutely. Yeah. That's good. It's really good. That's a, that's a tweetable quote right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll retweet it. I don't know. I'm not big on Twitter. So anyway, uh, thank you, Dave, for taking the time and talking about this. You bet. But thank you for what you do in Harvest Market yep. and what it means to this community. It really does well, thank help you. to bring out the people and bring out the best in this community. Okay. Well, we love this community, and we're looking forward to seeing as many people as possible on the 23rd and 24th, coming up here in less September. than two weeks. Yep, in September. Thank you.
Thank you. Well, there you go. The old-fashioned harvest market. Yeah, the (laughs) old-fashioned harvest market. (laughs) Why do we keep saying old-fashioned? He was passionate about it. (laughs) He certainly was. And to be honest, I like old-fashioned. I I, I mean, you know, I, I like... What it stands for, and I mean, I like I like being drip, like we, you know, yeah, or you know, yeah. whatever the terms are today, and and sure. you know, coming up with the times and dressing that way, whatever. But there's just something about the old fashioned way of life that seems like home. Yeah. Um, so this past weekend, I went up into the Northeast Kingdom and visited with my mother and. Uh, she had some um, some some local foods, you know. The the she had gone to Canada and she had come back with some of the Canadian curd cheese, and then some of the the snacks that you get over in Canada, the the mouths, Those are just like a favorite of mine. Uh, but it why because it brings me back to to my grandmother and grandparents' farm. And uh, it just brings me back to uh, a good time, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think memories, memories. So there's nothing wrong with that. And I think uh, being reminded of where we came from mm-hmm. is a good thing. It is a good thing. I mean, it could be, you know, maybe your where you came from wasn't the best. Yeah. Um, but it certainly can encourage you from where you are today to them too and um you know change is good it is by no means am i saying that i want to go back to it you know i'm in, i'm grateful to have the uh the the smartphone in my pocket that gives us the information at a, at a fingertip right i mean we can we can send a photo to africa in real time we didn't have that option when when we were kids <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm not looking to 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 go back in time, but I'm grateful to have those memories. You know, it's funny you say that because we just went to Canada. We mm-hmm. went to um the zoo on Granby? Granby Zoo. Yeah. And I have family that live there. In oh. the zoo? <laughs> in the monkey house? In the mo- <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. No. We, my family doesn't live at the zoo. <laughs> um, yeah. We, we couldn't get together with them while we were there. It just happened that way. But it just reminds me of how, yeah, it's my second home. We went there all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just memory lane, you know, driving the streets and... Having the poutine. Yeah. And wanting to find the cream soda. You know, because it's better up there than down here. Um, And yeah, I just, I was just, um, I was in heaven. Sure. (laughs) Going back and thinking of all our family trips up there. And, you know, the, the small kitchens, if they had a small home, but you had 50 people in the small kitchen, you know. But right. they didn't care, and they'd pull out their different instruments, and we'd be dancing right on the floor, bumping each other, but just having a blast. So the memories, you know. Yeah. So so that that makes me think of of some. I just want to throw this out here. We didn't talk about this before. I'm just gonna put it out there right now. Um, if you're listening and you're thinking of a memory, of a food, of something. Would you share it with us? Put send us an email, send us a voicemail, something, and talk about what food brings you that that comfort from from your hometown or whatever. You know, I know. Yeah, what's the memory associated to that food? Yeah, because I really have found that uh, food is such a, a trigger for local uh, or yeah, local, but but your memories, your family history, what you guys did is to celebrate holidays and those kinds of things when you when you get to talking to somebody. Yeah, right? Doesn't it just kind of flash in front of your mind? There's something psychological or physiological that takes place, like when you smell, you know, the apples or, 
you, yeah. you know, you smell or even just seeing it and all of a sudden. So it, it's a re, it's real. It, it really is. And it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. If you're from New Jersey, you're all about that Taylor ham or Pennsylvania <laughs> scrapple or, you know. Oh, the meat pies, if you're oh, French. Come on, oh, yeah. I love that. And you even know. there, it, I know that each family kind of makes their own meat pie version. And what they put in it is is kind of to that person's family or to that region. Well, right. And, you know, it's interesting coming from us. I don't know about other nationalities, but like the French, uh-huh. you know, they, well, imagine everyone's done it in, in every cuisine. But when you're, when you're poor and you only have so much available. Yeah. You make whatever, and then it becomes like the thing, and it then it spreads generational to gen- like a meat pie, yeah, you know, or shepherd's pie. Yeah, I think all food that we got really started because they were trying to stretch what they had. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah, which is fascinating. It is. It's a Man. cultural thing, you know, and but yeah, that's a great idea. Share with us. You know, what are your favorite foods and what memories does it associate for you? And um, and it would just be nice to get to know, to get to know you. Yeah, Yeah, like give give a shout out to the region that you're from and the food that they're famous for. So before we talk about Dave a little bit here, let me just tell you right now, you can call it in with 802-858-5534 or you can email it at uh, talkofthetownvtpodcast at gmail.com. And, um, and let us know. Yeah. And, and I'm, uh, on part B of that is, what do you call a creamy where you're from? Because you, outside of this area, you don't get a creamy. It's like well, you know. Dairy whip or soft serve. Or, come on, people. Right. But you know creamy. what? I've had creamies at home because you take homemade ice cream and you just whip it and it's just soft enough like a like a creamy and there's a creamy yeah <laughs> they don't call it that in other places no, so they i'm don't. curious what they're what they're calling and uh yeah also go to palmer's and get their maple creamies so good <laughs> all right good. yeah we're gonna go back to dave i'm <laughs> getting, getting hungry off. yeah he was um i just appreciated his uh he was extremely deep, and he said some things that I was not expecting. Mm. You know, talking about um, his his funnest or wildest time was dealing with a guy who was blind and, and helping him to, to stop cursing. I know. To him, he, he's like, this is crazy. Yeah. To him. But he actually fell into something that was real. He impacted somebody in such a way that um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like, this is my most craziest memory. Because uh, actually, to me, it sounds like it's one of his most beautiful memories. Mm. But that just speaks to the type of caliber of guy that Dave is. Right. Yeah. I, it just, you know, he's um, hearing that story makes you think about how he can problem solve. Yep. He loves people. And... um. You know, he understands the concept of community. I because that's what he said. Yeah, exactly. What did he? How did he say that again? Well, uh, volunteers. I mean, well, he talked about the quality of your community lies in how the people um, respond to react to one another, and that they come outside of their homes and interact with the community. Right. As a paraphrase, that, he, he said yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. He said it so much better. We'd have to go back and listen now. Yeah. Well, because that's like his advice. When we asked him at the end, what's mm-hmm. what's your advice to the people listening? Right. And, um, you know, because he doesn't like own a business or, you know, he's not in that stage of life. He's retired. Um, and he, he does this as a service to the community. And... You know, because it takes so many volunteers, he sees the the result of that, yeah. what you're saying. Right. And so that becomes his advice. Get out. Get out and serve. 
And it doesn't have to be there, but serve in something you're passionate for. Get out. Oh, he said that. What is your gift? What's your passion? Yeah. And then each, you know, each time we are making the play, the community a better place. Yeah. And And I know that there's some really cool things that happen in this community. I, I, the, the open house for the artists. And yeah, the open studios. The open studio. That. And then come, you know, March, April, the, the sugars as they're they're putting out their maple syrup. There's, there's just so many things. There's so many things that you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, all all seasons. Farmers um, markets. Yeah. There's, there's so many ways, so many things that you can do to positively impact your community. Mm-hmm. And we have a beautiful community, so get out there and be part of it. Yeah, and uh, patronize the uh, harvest market. That's right. You know, because that money goes toward missions. Uh, helping, helping our the neighbors, community. right? And we just came from a, a season where our neighbors were impacted, devastated, and I watched this community rally together. Mm-hmm. So I know you got it in you, and that's what makes this area so amazing. Along with the backdrop of of Mount Mansfield, but <laughs> the beauty, the be- the natural beauty, and the people that live in this area. So, if you're not sure what an old fashioned harvest market means, head on over the last weekend of September and um, enjoy some of the the food and and the games, even just watching, and then the people, the yeah. artists. Go get an apple pie, mm. and then the sausage and peppers. <laughs> yep. Yep, that's where you'll find me. <laughs> oh, and the cookies. And I heard cookies. there's free cookies out there. Yeah, so there is. Look for the free cookies. That's right. Starts early. Yeah. All right. So, so yeah, good. Thank this you, has Dave. Been a wonderful show. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening. And again, that's uh, send your comments. We'd love to hear them. That's your homework assignment. Send the comments. That's right. Yeah. 802 858 5534. And um, talk of the town, vtpodcast at All right. Thank you again for listening. You guys have a great couple weeks, and you'll hear from us soon. Mm -hmm. You've been listening to Talk of the Town with Giles and Carmen, the podcast for the Mount Mansfield community. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you again next podcast.